Hello and welcome to Radio Omniglot, a podcast about language and linguistics coming to you from Bangor in North Wales, the UK, and broadcasting at a range of 65 to 523 hertz. My name is Simon Hager. I am the man behind Omniglot.com, the online encyclopedia of languages and writing system. And this is episode 29, and I will be talking about languages and music. Now, I mentioned the range of this broadcast. It is, in fact, the range of my voice going from two octaves below middle C, that's C2, or 65 hertz, up to almost an octave above, that's 523 hertz, or C5, on a good day. So, I have been interested in languages and music most of my life. I started having piano lessons when I was seven, and possibly before that I might have learned the recorder at school. I don't remember exactly when I started doing that, but at the time I wasn't entirely interested in playing the recorder, but it was just something we all did. I was more interested in the piano, and I had lessons for five years, until I was twelve, and then I gave up the piano and started playing the clarinet instead. And my mum had played the clarinet when she was young, and there was a clarinet sitting around in the house, doing nothing, and one summer holiday I found it and asked if I could try and play it, so I tried to teach myself, and didn't get that far, so my mum arranged a teacher for me. And I had lessons for about uh, six years, I think, until I left school. And I also started playing the saxophone as well, the the, uh, tenor saxophone. And at some stage I started playing the tin whistle, and started getting into Irish and Scottish traditional music, which led me getting interested in Irish and Scottish Gaelic languages. So languages and music have always been interconnected for me. I've got interested in some languages through music, through hearing songs in those languages, and then wanting to learn the songs, and then maybe wanting to learn the languages. That was true for Irish and Scottish Gaelic, as I mentioned. Also, to some extent, for Welsh and Spanish and Portuguese. And then in other cases, I might start learning a language, and then I would try and find songs I like in that language that I could learn to sing. So at the moment, for example... Today I'm recording this on the 25th of February 2020, it's Tuesday, it's quite a fine day here in Bangor actually, the sky is blue in places with a bit of cloud, it's dry, we've had quite a few storms recently, I'm not sure which storm we're up to, I think Dennis was one of the last ones, possibly we've had more since then, anyway, so languages and music have always been interesting to me and I'm currently studying the, which one's? Danish, Swedish, uh, Czech, and Russian. And I've been trying to find nice songs in each of these languages. I look online, I look on YouTube particularly, and I've found a few singers and groups who sing, particularly in Russian, and some in in uh, Swedish and Danish. And I haven't found many songs I like in Czech, but I'm sure that there are plenty of good Czech singers. So if you have any uh, suggestions, you can go to the, the site for this podcast, which is radio.omniglot.com. It's actually a new address, a new subdomain I set up the other day, rather than going to omniglot.com slash radio, which you can always do as well. So, yes, I've been trying to find interesting songs that I might want to learn to sing in these languages. And actually, as you're learning a language, 
if you like to sing, then finding songs in that language is a very good way to improve your vocabulary and, and just have fun, really. And if you want to learn basic vocabulary, a good way to do so is learn songs for children, because often they involve things like counting and colours and animals and such like, and basic vocabulary, which is useful to learn. And as they're in song format, it makes them easier to remember. Also, rhymes are good. You know, remembering how many days there are in each month. I still have to go through the the rhyme, you know, 30 days, have September, April, June, and November, and all the rest of it, to work out how many <laughs> days there are in each month. Because it, it's, it's, it works. Rhymes like that. And if you can make up rhymes to remember other aspects of languages you're learning or find rhyme, ready-made rhymes, then it's, it's a good way to do it, or songs in, even. Um, another aspect of music is that I've noticed that some people who are quite good at music seem to have some innate abilities, if there's such a thing, for music, also seem to be good at languages. And it's not necessary to, be, to have innate talent or ability, if such a thing exists, for music or languages, to be good at them. I think some people do have such things. I seem to pick up languages and and retain them and be able to use them more quickly and better than other people I know. It's maybe because I spend more time with them, I'm more interested in them, I'm more focused on them, and possibly because I have better memory or more developed memory through uh, extended practice. But when I talk to people about learning languages or even learning music, or some will say, oh yeah, I've been trying to learn whatever language for years and I never really got very far. And if you look into it in detail, often they'll say, oh yeah, I went to class you know, once a week, maybe studied for two hours, did a bit of homework, and that was it really. They didn't seek out opportunities to actually use the language outside the classroom. They didn't listen to online radio or watch films or TV or write, read books or find people to talk to. So if you don't do that then going to a class once a week or twice a week even is not um, going to get you fluent in the language very quickly. But if you're like me, you like to find as many ways as possible to to use and absorb content in the languages you're studying and you study every day, then you're going to make more progress, even if you think you're not good at languages. And the same with music. If you're learning to play an instrument, if you're learning to sing or any other aspect of music, then the more you practice, the more you listen, the more you actually play music with other people and and solo as well, the better you'll get. Now, one problem I have is because I study many languages, you know, I'm studying four languages at the same time at the moment, and in the past I've done similar things, and I play quite a few different instruments. Now, I mentioned I played the piano for a while when I was younger, and then the clarinet and saxophone and the tin whistle. And I also tried to learn the harmonica, never got very far with that. And I think I was given a um, ocarina at some point in the past, and I, I learned to play basic tunes on it, but never did much with it. But um, after I left school, I carried on playing for a few years when I was at university, and um, then I kind of gave up eventually, just stopped playing so regularly, stopped practicing, stopped playing in, in groups, because I used to play in wind bands and big bands and an orchestra and um, I sang in the school choir for a while but you know after my first year at university you know, I, I kind of stopped 
and I didn't really play any music, any instruments for many years. Um, you know, I sang to myself sometimes, but not much. I didn't really think I could you know, go back to it any time. I kept my instruments, or some of them. I had my clarinet for, for many years, just sitting sitting around gathering dust without being played. And then um, I went to Ireland. This was in 2005 to learn Irish. And I've been going back every summer for a week or two ever, ever since. And the first year I went there, you know, I had Irish language lessons, and we also learned some songs. And as I'd been trying to learn songs on my own for years in Irish and trying to and listening to Irish music, I was quite familiar with some of them. So I thought, oh, that's fun. And every night there were concerts or music sessions in the local pubs, and I really enjoyed it and thought, oh, maybe I should get back into this. So a year or two later, I started playing the tin whistle again, and then the guitar, and then the mandolin. And um, since then, I've tried to play or continue to play various other instruments. You know, I got a piano, and started playing that again. I've got a couple of harps, ukuleles, um, recorders, more ocarinas, and uh, flutes, which I can't really play very well. So I got a bit carried away. I had, for a while, I also had um, other instruments. I got a bazooki and um, a, what was it, a kind of mini saxophone type thing. can't remember what it was called. But um, no, I, I got rid of some of those because I decided I just didn't have time to devote to them and even with the current instruments I have I don't have <laughs> all that much time to practice each one every day so I'm never going to get um, amazing on any of them but I'm happy to be okay mediocre on quite a few of them and the same with the languages and well is, is there any connection between my musical abilities and my linguistic abilities I think there are connections definitely between languages and music um if you have a good ear for the sounds of a language, it can help when you're learning music, hearing the different pitches and tones and being in tune and such like. And uh, if you're used to playing with other people, playing an instrument, that's a bit like having a conversation in a language, especially if you're into jazz, improvisation and such like. And also, music is made up of patterns. You know, there are rhythms and pitches and regular kind of things that, that crop up in, in musical different musical genres in folk music for example a lot of tunes can kind of sound quite similar you know, I wrote a tune the other day and after I wrote it I was playing some tunes from one of my books and thought oh actually that tune I just wrote sounds a lot like this other tune that we've been playing in sessions for, for years so that's probably some unconscious um, influence from that but it's not the same tune exactly um, so pattern recognition is useful in music and definitely useful in language where there are lots of patterns languages are all about patterns about how the words go together and how they interact and how they change and in various um, contexts so those those abilities are definitely linked and also um, well, one of my friends he's, he's very good at music he plays lots of instruments he sings He's also good at languages. He's studied quite a few of them and speaks some of them really well. And he has a PhD in maths. So I think mathematical abilities have connections with music and languages as well because some of the same skills are used. And it doesn't automatically follow that if you're good at music, you need to be good at languages and vice versa. I know some musicians who think they're 
they're not good at languages and some people who are good at languages who are not into music as well but quite a few people I know who are linguists and polyglots and other language enthusiasts are also musicians or into music they like to sing or play instruments or do other musical things and vice versa quite a few musicians I know are also interested in languages they may have studied quite a few they speak a few they're interested in them generally so I think there's definitely connections there and according to a book by Stephen Mithin the singing Neanderthal it's possible that language and music was once one kind of communication system in the long distant past before language and music developed into separate entities our ancestors might have communicated using a combination of vocalizations and movements and gestures and and the musical forms as well their utterances weren't um, cut up into words but kind of there were long strings of sound associated with a particular um, idea meaning or something and um, over time this system gradually developed and split so you have language for communicating ideas and information and opinions and gossip and all the other things that language does and music went off on its own and music is also can communicate things it can communicate emotions very well and and sometimes you can get pictures when you hear music it evokes different kinds of ideas but it's not as precise or accurate in doing so as language and music is also a very good way to um, bind people into groups when people sing together play music together they're more likely to become friends to socialize with each other so music is a very powerful social bonding tool as well as a way to communicate emotions so music has an evolutionary use or uses it's not just a thing that developed that people enjoy because every culture around the world has some kind of music they people sing they dance they make music and we have to ask why what is the reason people do this is it just because they enjoy it there must be other reasons and as i suggested it has a, a social bonding uh, function you know, people who sing together um, are more likely to be friendly as i said so it's, it has a powerful function there and um, i mean there have been various studies i i haven't got time at the moment to look into them in any detail but people have looked into the brains of musicians and linguists and people who are good at languages um, to see if they differ from you know, everyday folk who are not linguists or musicians or good at languages and they found and also to see if there's links between the parts of the brain that deal with music and the parts of the brain that deal with language now traditionally you know, language is thought of as um, mainly processed in the left hemisphere of the brain there are areas that are specific to language in that hemisphere but the right hemisphere also plays a role the left hemisphere is more analytical and the right is more to do with emotions but that's a kind of simplified view it's much more complex than that the whole brain is involved in producing language and in music it's more of a right brain type of thing but left brain is also involved especially if a musician a singer is um, exposed to music and 
learns music from a very early age. So, actually, I, I think I remember re- reading one study that said if you start learning music from an early age, it's like you're learning a, a language. It's actually processed in the same kind of areas of your brain, particularly in the left hemisphere. So you become a native musician in in some ways. Whereas if you learn music later in life, it may be processed in different parts of your brain, and you may perceive it differently even. So perhaps if you, you learn it from a very early age, it's more natural to you, it's um, more instinctive even. But um, I would need to look at the, the research to find out more about that. I'll try and find some links to put on the show notes, which you can find at radio.omnigot.com, of course, where you can leave your comments and suggestions for about this episode and ever future episodes. You can find notes, you can find links to the music I play in these episodes, because I use these podcasts not just to talk about languages, but also to share the songs and tunes I write. So that's another thing I've been doing for a while now, not just playing music, but also writing it and arranging it and composing it. Because, yeah, that's another thing, actually. When you play music, if you're playing other people's music, you're just learning what they've written down, what they've recorded, just trying to copy them. You may come up with your own version of it, but you're not making something new. When you speak a language, you can learn lots of phrases, and you can learn, you can have conversations, quite complex conversations, if you learn lots and lots of different phrases, everyday phrases, and things about the kind of stuff you like to talk about, your your interests and hobbies and such like, and your work and whatever. But if you actually want to be creative in the language and talk about um, other things, anything and everything, then you need to know how to put it together, put the words together into sentences. If you want to write things down, you have to understand how the grammar works, how the spelling system works. And um, it's the same with music. You know, if you want to actually write music, you have to understand how music works. I'm sure you can come up with a tune. You know, when I first started writing songs and tunes, I didn't actually write out the music itself in notation. I just write down the words for the songs and came up with a tune and then recorded it, and that was it. And I just had it in my head. I'll share it with other people, but it wasn't actually written down. But now, for the past few years, I've been starting to write out my tunes and actually arrange them for multiple parts. And in order to do that, you know, I, I need knowledge of how music works. And unfortunately, when I was um, at school, um, secondary school, yeah, I think it was, I did um, I did study some music theory. So I have some background in that, and actually know how to write out music. And then reading music is another thing as well. You're reading a language, reading a foreign language, is... Um, can be a challenge, especially if it's written in a script you're not familiar with, or using very different spellings. If you see a language written with um, letters you're familiar with, but they're pronounced differently, it can, can can be confusing. It can be confusing, but at least you can you don't have to learn a whole new set of letters or a whole new writing system. But if you're learning to read and write a language like Chinese or Japanese or Korean or Russian or whatever, you have to learn a whole new script. And actually becoming fluent in reading a language like that takes a lot more effort. I mean, with alphabetic languages like Russian or Greek, um, 
of languages written with, with alphabets, I mean, you can learn the letters fairly quickly, but actually learning to read fluently takes longer. And similarly with music, when you can learn the basic notes pretty quickly, but actually knowing what they mean and, and being able to play them, um, or sing them is another thing altogether. And there's various different ways to write music. For example, when I started learning guitar, I learned basic guitar tab, which is another way of writing out um, guitar music. And I've also learned some uh, ukulele tab as well. But you know, I prefer standard written music because that's what I've learned in the past. And that makes sense to me. So yes, and switching between instruments is a bit like learning a new language. So for example, you know, I learned discount recorder, soprano recorder, from a very early age. I didn't play for ages, but recently I started again. And I've also got other sizes of recorders. I've got um, sopranino, soprano, um, alto, tenor, and bass. Now, each one is in a different pitch. So the soprano is in C. Uh, the tenor is an octave below that, so the tenor is just a big version of the soprano, really. So it's not too difficult to transition between them. But going from the soprano, or let's count, to the alto, or treble, is another kettle of fish, because the, the treble, or alto, is in F. So all the notes you play, if you play the same notes as you do on the soprano, you get different sounds, because it's a fifth below, and you have to remap your, your fingers to the different um, different sounds. And that takes a while. And then playing the bass, which is an octave below the, the treble, in F as well, that's another challenge, because it's a lot bigger. You need more more air to get the notes out. Actually, you don't have to stretch on most bases because you have keys for the the notes, but um, the the, play, the parts are written in the bass clef, so you have to, again, transition. Because for other recorders, they're all written in the treble clef, and it's somewhat confusing, but I got used to it. And similarly, if you're going from, say, guitar, you're used to playing chords on the guitar, and then you start playing the ukulele, it's it's different because you've got fewer strings. You, you can use the same chord shapes. But there's a couple of strings missing, and you get different chords. Similarly, if you play the uh, mandolin as I do, then you've got completely different chord shapes on that. So you, it's um, it is has similarities to to switching between different languages, and it's something you can do with practice. And I think being able to do this is good for your mental flexibility. Um, oh, whatever aspects of language should we mention? Oh yes, when you're speaking a language, you'll have your own way of pronouncing it, and then maybe you'll encounter someone who speaks it differently from a different region or or country. And um, what I tend to do is is my accent will drift towards their pronunciation, um, their accent. It's um, a process called accommodation, I believe. And similarly, when you're playing um, music, when you play on your own, you can play however you like. You know, as as if you're playing for written music, you could try and play as exactly as written, or you can you know vary it, play at different speeds, um, add ornamentation and variation, improvisation and such like. But when you're playing in a group, then you've got to listen to what other people are doing, and make sure you're the way you're playing. Um, goes well with the way they're playing. So you make, and then when you hear other people play it, you've got to find a way to accommodate your version with their version that works well together. So that's a bit like linguistic accommodation. And um, yeah, I suppose 
folk sessions are a bit like a conversation, because in the ones I go to at least, people take it in turns to start a tune or a set of tunes. Then if other people know it, they will play along. And people who are playing rhythm instruments like guitars, if they can work out some chords, they'll just do some chords. Or if people are playing um, percussion, that's easy to to um, improvise. So it's, there's no kind of set, you know, each person starts a tune in turn as you're sitting around the table or anything like that. Not in the sessions I go to anyway. You know, if you've got a tune and you want to start it, you just wait until the last one's finished and then you can start and see if other people join in. And often tunes go in sets. So set, tunes that are kind of similar kind of style that go well together. And some sets we play regularly so we all know what's coming next. Others you might not know and you wait until you you um you know what the other person's playing before you join in if you can. So that's a bit like a conversation. Now in some cultures it's normal for people to all talk at the same time apparently. I haven't really encountered this very much. But what I'm used to is for people to take turns and there are indications in the way you're speaking that show that you're ready to give um someone else a chance to talk. The way your 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 voice goes up or down shows whether you want to continue or whether you you're, you've finished what you're saying and the other person can talk. And of course, people interrupt each other and talk over each other sometimes, but generally people take it in turns. So, yes, I think it's time for a tune now. This is The Whistling Windows, a tune I came up with after a folk music session at the Yacht Club in Carnarvon. It was a particularly stormy night, and the windows were actually whistling. Unfortunately, I didn't get a recording of those whistling windows at the time, but it inspired me to write this tune. Thank you. 
I mentioned earlier, I am recording this on Tuesday the 25th of February 2020. Now in a few days time, I'm off to Edinburgh to take part in the language event Edinburgh. This is a small language conference which is taking place on the 29th of February and the 1st of March at l'Institut Francais d'Ecosse in West Parliament Square in Edinburgh and I will be giving a talk there about Celtic languages, specifically about connections between them. This is a subject I've been looking into for quite a while since I've studied all the Celtic languages to varying degrees and I found it interesting to look at words that are similar in these different languages and find connections between them and connections with other languages as well. For example, this morning I realised that words for the sea in Celtic languages, which in Welsh is moor and in Irish is mur, and similar words in other languages, are actually cognate, uh, related to the word in English mir as in Windermere, and also mermaid. They come from the same ultimate roots as do words for lakes in other Germanic languages, such as German, mir. So finding connections like this is always interesting for me. It has nothing to do with music and such, although I got interested in Celtic languages through music, of course, as I mentioned. So if you happen to be in Edinburgh this weekend coming, or you're going to the conference, I will see you there, perhaps. Otherwise, I hope you found this podcast interesting and informative. If you have learnt music or got into languages through music or vice versa, you've learnt songs and then decided to learn the languages they're in, why not leave a comment? You can go to radio.omniglot.com and find notes on this and other episodes. You can leave comments. You can even, if you're feeling very generous, leave a small or even a large donation to help support my work on this podcast and other sites I run, omni.com, and also the Celtiadir, which is partly what I'm talking about in Edinburgh. This is a kind of online dictionary of uh, Celtic languages, using all the modern Celtic languages and their ancestors, going back to Old Irish and such like, and right back to Proto-Celtic and extinct ancestors like Gaulish. So, yes, you can find that on Omnigot as well, omnigot.com slash Celtiadir, it's a word I invented, C-E-L-T-I-D-U-R. And um, so, yes, that's all I have to say. I'm not going to edit this podcast, so you'll find some pauses and... Um, mistakes and such like in this one. It, it takes ages to edit such things, so I decided not to bother this time. Hope you don't mind. Anyway, thanks for listening, and goodbye.